This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hello, everybody. The year is winding down. The holiday season is upon us, and this is the final episode of 2022. For this final episode of the year, my brother, Brandon Legion, joins us, and you will know him from the host of the Horror Wolf 666 podcast. But this time around, we're going to be talking about his brand new musical project, Abraxas Horn. The uh, record is out on Bandcamp. Please feel free to check it out. If you're into atmospheric synth with a dark vibe, this is for you. Before we get going, since uh, you know I mentioned Brandon, uh, we're going to give a shout out to the rest of the crew. Of course, we have Brandon on Monday with Horror Wolf 666. We have Jackie Smith on Tuesday bringing you into the necrosphere. Wednesday is Everything Went Black. Thursday is Necro Thursday with Necromaniacs. Sunday is the Dark Lord's Day. Carl Hikara brings you Soul Knox. And if you really are interested in supporting the podcast, you can join us on Patreon. We've got a bunch of bonus material over there. We have two additional shows that are available only on Patreon. We have Long Shadows, which features me and Ralph Schmidt talking about weird fiction, mostly short stories and novels, but occasionally we talk about films. We have Hollywood Babylon with Evan Hopper, and that is dedicated to movie classics, sometimes more obscure films, but we just break down some classic films and uh, give a, a point of view that might not be covered by other outlets. And then there's, uh, you know, other other things that we do we have a a friday staff pick which could either be music related or film related or book related that kind of thing so pretty much every week on friday we have bonus material coming to you for as little as one dollar a month you can get access to all this stuff for five dollars a month you get early access to the regular episodes plus the bonus material and if you want to be a sponsor you can uh, join us as a sponsor for $20 a month. You get one ad read per month. It could be a project, a band, a business. You give us a custom ad read, and we add it to the regular stream reads. And uh, you can choose it for one month or for all eternity. It's completely up to you. So now let's get into it. Happy holidays, Brandon. Thank you. Happy holidays, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a good year uh, compared to the last two. And uh, coincidentally, this is uh, my year-end episode. We're taking the week between Christmas and New Year's off. So this will be the final, <clears throat> excuse me, everything went black for 2022. So I thought it would be appropriate to invite you on as a guest 
and just uh, talk talk primarily about the non-podcasting work that you have with uh, Abraxas Horn, which is uh, the record just was released a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me on your last episode of the year. I feel uh, honored for that. That's fucking cool. And um, also on that matter there, too, my last episode for this year is with uh, Eugene S. Robinson. So if anybody wants to check that one out, and I'll be back, like, fucking July. I'm not January 1st or whenever. After the holidays to uh, wrap up with my top 10 on the Harwolf 666 podcast. So, but um, You know, that, that's a good, that's a really good move. I think in the future we're going to do the same with our uh, year-end list because we we just our year-end list is this week and um, there's a couple of movies I wanted to see before the end of the year which I didn't see which may have ranked on that fairly high. Yeah, there's one called uh, Piggy that I want to check out. It's supposed to be like a mix between like a Texas Chainsaw and like Carrie. So I'm hearing it's an Australian flick if I'm not mistaken. I really want to check that one out before the year is up because it seems like it's uh, up my alley for sure. The operative word on that is Australian because I'm a huge <laughs> fan of just the grittiness of some of their films, man. Oh, dude, yeah. Australia fucking nails them when it comes to the grittiness and like violence and stuff. And they also nail it when it comes to fucking death metal because of werewolves, dude. So. <laughs> well, yeah, that's well documented. My uh, <laughs> my admiration for all those bands. Yeah, there's a lot of sick bands from Australia. Yeah, Australia's fucking cool. <clears throat> but but um, yeah, going back to uh, uh the stuff I've been doing that's non horror. Well, I mean, it's kind of horror adjacent, adjacent, I guess, especially with the a Braxis horn because a lot of that is uh, motivated from horror. Uh, most notably, uh, Mandy was a big in- inspiration for a. Uh, a Braxis horn and you know this is a project i've been wanting to do for years because um i started off you know doing guitar and vocals in my um, former band tripping the mechanism and we were around for a good uh 15 or so years and all my time went into doing that but in the back of my head it's like man i want to do like a weird like synth ambient type you know atmospheric type thing and um you know i've been working on this album off and on for like a year or so and um it was cool to finally get it out there into the world and hear like some good feedback from people. I mean, I'm fucking blown away. Now, when you were doing a uh, trip in the mechanism, was uh, there any kind of, was there a connection between that band and Abraxas horn? Like even just thematically? Uh, no, totally different. Um, being that Abraxas horn is just me for, you know, everything and stuff. Um, I, I wanted to keep the themes a little bit different. You know, I'm kind of basing this off of, like I said, uh, more like Mandy, uh, Twin Peaks type vibes, stuff like that. Where tripping the mechanism, uh, shit. We had songs about like Hercules, you know, like the dark side of Hercules, not the shit that you uh, see in the fucking Disney movie and stuff. You know, like Hercules are fucking tearing his family apart, stuff like that. And and there was also some with tripping the mechanism. We did some uh, Clyde Barker ish type stuff too. Like uh, we had a whole record that kind of sort of revolved around uh, Clyde Barker's Great and Secret show. So there was a horror element there, you know, but. Uh, with the Braxis horn, I want to kind of take it even further into that, you know, horror atmosphere type thing. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with me, man. I remember um, I was able to check it out before it was released. And uh, now, now some of that, some of the uh, original ideas you had for the for Braxis horn were uh, used as cues for intros and stuff like that for Horror Wolf, right? Yeah. Well, the first song off the album there is. Uh, 
actually the intro to the uh, Hard Wolf 666 podcast. And I'm like, well, here's like the full version of it. Cause like with the podcast, you probably hear like 30 seconds of it or so. So um, I wanted to put like the full song on the album and stuff. And um, everything else I've kind of shared pieces and parts of like on my social media pages. Like I throw a little video together and share that. So it's kind of like everything coming together to making, you know, the album as a whole. How, how do you, all right, when you first started out, because you're a guitar player, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you got all this gear, you got your guitars, you got your amps, you still own all that stuff, right? Oh, hell yeah. As we speak right now, I'm sitting right next to two full stacks up against the wall, plus uh, about four guitars and uh, acid pedals, you name it. I got it all sitting to me right now when I do my podcast stuff. It's like all here for like positive motivation. You know, I just look over here and like, oh, yeah, that's a work of art there. <laughs> you, know? you, ever, uh, you ever fire that stuff up? Oh, man, if I did, I would fucking get arrested because I live in a townhouse and these walls are thin. When I um, fire up my practice amp, which is an orange 35-watt uh, solid state, great fucking practice amp, by the way. I can only turn that thing up like a, a quarter of the way, if that, because uh, I start here bamming on the walls and stuff. So if I was to turn on all my real shit, you know, all my tube power stuff, man, I'd probably be going to jail. <laughs> So when when you decided to uh, start doing synth you know style music, what kind of gear uh, investment did you do? Did you buy you know keyboards like MIDI MIDI interfaces? Like what was what was the transition like? Um, was with the gear stuff, it's pretty simple. Um, my wife actually found me like a really badass because um, I was asking for this you know because she's a manager at a pawn shop. So I was like, well, if you see any like cool like MIDI keyboards come through, you know, let me know. And then she found this uh, really nice uh, Akai uh, MPK Mini uh, professional, you know, keyboard and stuff. And I fucking love it. It's got beat pads on there and stuff, you know, has your keyboard and everything else. Uh, a few other little things you can fuck around with. I mean, that was like the key thing right there because that's how I, you know, came up with the intro to the Hard Wolf 666 podcast and then started doing my writing on that. So that plus my, uh, plus my, um, at my Mac. I mean, that's pretty much what I use. And do you you just use uh, like you know GarageBand or you know like what what's the inter what's the platform that you use to record all this stuff? Uh, for right now, it's just GarageBand. Um, but I'm hoping like next year, or so as I get even better with that, I can upgrade to like Logic or whatever, which is kind of like GarageBand on steroids. But um, I found a lot of cool shit with GarageBand. A lot of different videos on YouTube of how to do different things, tricks and tips and stuff, and. Uh, really surprised like the, the sounds you can get out of there i mean it's almost endless you know the tweaking and stuff you can do like it's pretty cool yeah dude i um i i really think garage band's a pretty fucking versatile uh program you know and and it's like logic is actually kind of like an extension of that because they're both macintosh products you know mm-hmm. yeah they're cool there's a lot of good sounds on there you know yeah i'm like i've barely even like uh touch like this the sound like variations and all i can fuck around with and stuff you know it's like gets a little bit overwhelming but uh it's cool and especially for me like this is a whole new thing for me doing the synth stuff you know it's a good learning tool you know as i grow and stuff it kind of grows with you it seems like you know with the learning curve and everything but yeah pretty it's a simple setup you know and uh, i also use like a pair of fucking headphones and all for you know doing all my all my recording stuff and everything that way I'm not blowing people's eardrums out, you know, through any speakers in here and stuff. You know, I play it through the surround sound downstairs, which um, I can get away with uh, turning up a little bit louder, you know, if I want to hear what the final mix sounds like and stuff. But 
That must sound pretty sick on a surround sound system. Oh yeah, it booms. I got a I think my sub down there is like a, a thousand watts, maybe. <laughs> so, Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went a little crazy one Christmas for surround sound stuff. I'm like, the guy Best Buy oversold me on some things. I was like, you know, I'm always I'm about watts anyways. More watts the better, you know. So going in there, it's like, oh yeah. He said, you can do this one. It's just as cheap, but it's like uh, ten thousand watts or something. Like, sure, I'll take that. <laughs> you, ever, you ever listen to like Maniac or something like that on a surround sound system? <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, it sounds amazing, man. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to get it, something like that. I, I don't quite have the uh, footprint of living space for a cool system, you know? I still can't turn up to 100%, though, because, like I said, I'd be getting in trouble because these fucking walls are thin. But at least when I'm downstairs, like, it's a little more open. I can get away with some of that stuff. But that bass response, man, this fucking rumbles the wall, so. So most of the, like, obviously the name of the band is uh, influenced by Mandy. So what what is the um, like kind of emotional connection between Mandy and the and the project the Braxis Horn? Oh man, uh, well as a lot of people know, Mandy is my favorite film, and uh, that's saying a lot because for a while, well forever, it was a it was a tie between like The Exorcist and American Werewolf in London. It was one of my favorite films, but you know I still love those films as well. But something about Mandy just uh, hit me like emotionally and stuff, man. It's like it's a uh, I don't know. It's a powerful movie visually and this story wise, you know, like the ultimate revenge movie, you know, losing the one you love and doing anything that you possibly fucking can to get revenge and try to find some peace in that, you know, and uh, I don't know. It just hit me a lot. And um, the soundtrack to that is amazing. And that influenced me and just uh, it just it felt right, you know, to make like a, almost like a tribute when it comes to the name of the project and stuff with Mandy. So. Well, the title too, right? Shadow Shadow Mountains, right? That's the name of yeah. one of the chapters in the film, I believe. Um, I think it is. It's kind of like a playoff of that too, but I believe so. Yeah, and it's just it's like it's uh, endless inspiration for me, you know. And a uh, cool thing is Spectre Vision. Um, I tagged them on one of my social media posts and stuff, and they're hundred percent down with this too. They're like, "Oh, this is great," and they shared it from their uh, social media. So I thought that was really cool when they said they dug what I'm doing. So. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, I find it interesting that synths and keyboards, you know, the, the kind of, uh, marriage between like heavy, like doom music and like keyboards. Cause they started, you know, some of the earlier bands incorporated synth, you know, and, and then it just seems like that whole strand has taken off into its own, you know, subgenre really in some ways, like a lot of like metal, doom metal types, you know, those type of musicians are dabbling and then experimenting in just synthesizer only projects, but they mm -hmm. still, it still kind of maintains that gloomy atmosphere. And that, that's how I feel, you know, like a Braxis Horn definitely, I would char characterize as that type of band, you know? Yeah. And that's definitely what I'm kind of going for too. And, um, I'm not ruling out the possibilities of throwing guitar, and that's that's going to be happening on the next album, of course. Like, uh, you know, I'm not never going to get away from playing guitar and stuff, but uh, I think I'm going to slowly start trying to throw more of that in there, too. Like, some fucking just nasty-ass, like, sun-type riffs with some fucking, you know, heavy-ass synth behind it. I think that'd be a really killer combo. I have uh, I have tickets to see Sun this month, actually. Oh, nice. That's going to be badass. But bring your earplugs for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, man. That's uh, I, I've never seen him, believe it or not. 
I haven't either. I've just heard stories and stuff, and I've seen their rigs. It's fucking insane. It's uh, you know, all these all these years, man. Oh shit, that shows tonight. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> catching up with you. <laughs> oh fuck yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's fucking insane, man. Uh, all these years, I never saw them. Wow, well, that's gonna be a hell of an experience, dude. I'm like, that's cool. I'm glad to know they're uh, they're still out there touring and stuff and doing their thing. Yeah, but uh, now with Mandy, that's also one of my um, one of my favorite movies too, man. I, I don't know if I would call it my favorite, but it's like in the in the realm of maybe top five. And you know, it was the year it came out. I believe that was my number one. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it's definitely up there in the high the high echelons, along with like the thing and you know the Exorcist is also a movie I'm quite fond of and Night of the Living Dead and all that sort of stuff. And it's funny because like everyone looks back to the past as um, you know okay that's like the heyday. Mm-hmm. These are like the you know the the top. But since the year 2000, I feel like a lot of really cool stuff has come out. You know, and Mandy. I put that right up there with um with all that all those those movies you know and and the story and what's interesting is that in any kind of fiction there's only like a handful of storylines really mm-hmm. you know what I mean and uh it's more of how you tell the story than what the actual story is sometimes you know cuz Mandy's like real simple you know mm-hmm. and like a lesser filmmaker could have made that movie and it wouldn't have been co- as cool nearly, you know? Yeah. I could imagine if like a Blumhouse would have got a hold of like the Mandy script and been fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah, dude, let me ask you a question. Cause like I, I generally, it's funny. Like for years I would see Blumhouse and I was like, Oh, this is, you know, horror, probably something I, I'm interested in, but I kind of feel like those guys swing and miss more than they, than they hit, you know? Oh, they totally do, man. And, like, the early Blumhouse stuff was pretty fucking cool. You know, like, they did Insidious. I like Insidious. A lot of people hate on Insidious. I thought Insidious was fucking great. And um, there's a few other Blumhouse movies they did. But as of late, like, uh, the stuff they kind of throw straight to, like, Amazon or Hulu has been really missed for me. I don't – I'm not even – I can't even think back to when the last good, like, Blumhouse movie was that really, like, fucking did something for me. You know, it's been mostly all misses. Do you think it's um, just they're just kind of throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what hits, and they don't have somebody running the show who understands what's good, good or bad? That's what I think. I I think there's like there's like let's produce this, produce that, produce this, and let's get it out there. You know, not really looking for you know decent quality. You know, that could be it. I don't know, but I'm just they're not really doing it for me right now. With the story in uh, in Mandy, man, the the thing. It, it's funny. You can watch that movie uh, different times, and it hits you like in different ways. You know, like I think the first time I watched it, I was just tripping out on the colors and the action, and then you know, just the intensity of the movie and how over the top it was. But then, you know, you watch it three, four, five, six times. You know, which is something I do. I put it on like every few months, actually, just to mm-hmm. even if I'm not. 100% paying attention to it's something to just have on and one of the times I really kind of like focused on the story of uh of loss you know and just like the heartbreak aspect of the film and uh you know the ending now the mm-hmm. ending of that movie is kind of ambiguous don't you think 
Yeah, when they're uh, sitting in a car and like uh, Mandy's like there, like you know, but I, I can What I think, I think you know, it's still all in his head. You know, she's not really there, but right. it may be there in spirit or whatever. You know, and it's some type of like, uh, you know, it's, it's like a, it's what he thinks is, you know, you know, it's putting stuff to an end. It's like all the revenge and all the like killing and all that stuff. It's like, all right, this is the end of it. And here's, you know, Mandy's back or who knows, maybe Nicholas Cage dies at the end there and he's seeing Mandy in like another world or something, you know? Well, that that's kind of what I was thinking, actually. Like my interpretation of the ending of that movie is, um, you know, cause he gets beat up pretty bad in that film, you know? Yeah. Like there's a lot of, you know, a lot of trauma, a lot of, blunt force trauma to him and he's you know he's fucking smashed up at the end of that movie and i i think that he actually dies and that's uh you know his passageway into the you know a different realm and that's where he's like reunited with her and you know because you see this landscape with like two sons and all that sort of stuff yeah so badass looking like all the fucking like uh all the visuals are really killer but yeah that last visual there with the two sons is so fucking epic man you know, and that's like their, their the world that they would, you know, because she's obviously really heavily into like fantasy and like sword and sorcery, dark fantasy kind of stuff. And, you know, if if that was to be a place to spend eternity, eternity together in, you know, that would be the kind of place that I think Mandy would have created to, you know, for Red to join her in, you know. Oh yeah, totally, and yeah, I I definitely think that that could be one of the possibilities there that he did die and stuff like, but I like how they kind of play on that, and kind of leave it up to you to you know decide. It's not just like given to you. That's like one of my favorite things about these films. You know, it's um, you know, horror in general. I mean, you know, you and I are huge fans, but it's it's the same evolution. I feel like with certain forms of like metal, you know, where it's real primitive at first, and then. Mm-hmm. Over the decades, it's evolved into this very uh, creative, uh, you know, platform for people to tell their stories. You know, and both that's I'm talking about both metal and horror. You know, mm-hmm. and I would I hate to use the term elevated because I just I don't think that exists. I think that, uh, but I would say evolved, like of just evolution, like evolved storytelling. You know, right. like a film like Mandy is like just a great movie. You know, uh, that is a horror film. You know, yeah, and it, it shows the possibilities of what horror can be. You know, like like you said, it's the evolution of like the horror genre. It, even some there's some a lot of sci-fi, Mandy too, kind of sort of you know with visuals and everything. So it just it just shows the like evolution of that. You know, and what it can be, and like you know, and kind of like ups ups the ante on stuff with people. Like, uh, all right, let's make some better fucking films. You know, like inspires. Yeah, you know, well, hopefully inspires, but uh. What I'm seeing from Blumhouse is not inspiring, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, they just turned the crank, man. You know, and I kind of feel like Spectre Vision is one of the you know top of the food chain you know production houses these days. Oh yeah, they totally are because the shit they put out, man, it's like top notch, and it's not like they're putting stuff out every single year either. And like you know, it's all curated and stuff. It's stuff they want to see out there, and it's always usually a. Uh, really artistic and um you know it's something different it's never going to be the same shit you see like the streaming on like amazon every other day you know it's gonna be something unique i mean look at the greasy strangler and stuff like that i mean or you're not gonna see blumhouse or any like big fucking or Lionsgate do like the greasy strangler you know fucking movies bizarre and amazing but you know yeah, and also it's spectre vision too there's it's um 
you know, you won't see like that, like the 19th Halloween uh, remake appear. It, it'll be some sort of uh, unique niche kind of thing, like a very original story, you know, because like there, there's none, none of the, their films are, have any real similarities to one another, except the fact that they're creative and they have they're taking the stories in a different direction. You know, I mean, even even their the most, uh, I would say, traditional film, you know, is the Maniac remake. Yet that one is a totally unique, you know, vision for that 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 story. And uh, mm-hmm. one one of the only remakes that I actually like is the Maniac remake. Oh, dude, I, I love that movie. It's it's great. Elijah Wood kills it, and like he's playing such an odd role for him. You know, it's Elijah Wood. You don't see him, you know, playing a fucking serial killer, but man, does he fucking play it well? It's like the three the three like creepiest like handsome guys. I would say is, uh, you know, um, Elijah Wood, uh, you know, Peter Sarsgaard, mm-hmm. and uh, and Evan Peters. It's like they just look like such weirdos, you know. Yeah, totally. And they're all badasses in their own right too. And they're, it, it, you know, the roles they get, they have to play and stuff are so kind of out of the ordinary for somebody like that. But they always fucking nail it, you know. Like in Barbarian, when when Sarsgaard shows up on screen. You're just like, all right, this is the killer. You know, this guy's like up to no good. Look at his eyes. You know, I don't trust him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I forgot what podcast I was listening to, but they were talking about Barbarian. And um, I forgot. I think it might have been Evolution of Horror. And in, in, they were joking around. But one, one of the co-hosts was like, you know, I still think that uh, that Peter Skarsgård's the killer. You know, <laughs> like, like <laughs> Yeah, he's so fucking creepy, man. Like, uh, yeah, I tell you what, I don't know if you ever. I'm pretty sure you watched this when I was out, and I wish they fucking continued on with it. But uh, you remember Castle Rock? Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I, I thought Castle Rock was all right. Yeah, I loved it, man. I thought it was good, and it was, it was only getting better. And then he fucking stopped it, you know. But uh, Skarsgård stuff in there, playing like that creepy, like. We really didn't know what the hell he was because they stopped the goddamn series. But he had like uh, he was like some creepy like wizard type thing or maybe some like a uh, old god or something. You know, they he was just super creepy man, and that really won me over on him. I was like, oh, this guy can act. He's great. Yeah, I was hoping that they would finish that storyline, man. You know. Yeah, it just stopped. Uh, I think 2019 was like the end of it and stuff. And I was like, you have something here. This is great. You know, it's moody. It's dark. It's uh, a lot of really good fucking dialogue and stuff. Like, I don't know why I didn't go farther. But uh, yeah, Bill Skarsgård, that was cool. He even made a good it. He is no uh, oh, Tim I, Curry. I, He's no Tim Curry now. But from what he did, I mean, he did a pretty fucking good job. He had, you know, big shoes to fill there. I totally uh, whiffed on his name. like Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, did I say something different? I don't make sure I'm no, right on I, this. I said Peter, which is like oh, a, oh. Some, a totally different guy. Yeah. <laughs> it might be a brother or something. There's a bunch of scars guards. So. <laughs> Actually, um, the, there's like a couple of series out there that were never concluded that really, really bum me out that we I don't know how the story's in. Obviously, we're talking about Archive 81, you know, oh, no. Castle Rock. In the Hannibal series, mm-hmm. you ever you ever check out Hannibal the series? Oh, dude, hell yes! That's like one of my fucking favorites, and another disappointment that it fucking ended. <laughs> dude, I um I remember getting into it like I, Rue Morgue wrote a piece about it, and I you know I was like 
at the time I didn't have like television, you know what I mean? I just had like, uh, you know, Netflix and I'd watch, you know, DVDs and stuff. Cause this is going back a bunch of years. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm reading this article about it in Rue Morgue and I'm like, damn, this sounds really, really cool. So, you know, I ended up renting the, the season, you know, from, uh, like a video store. Back then there was a video store in, in Greenpoint called Photoplay that had every type of movie. They had like, you know, martyrs, like all these French, you know, extreme films, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then literally weeks after that article came out, they canceled it on. And then I realized I'm like, oh yeah, this is on like NBC, you know, a mainstream network. Right. And then every year you'd hear about how, you know, oh yeah, we're, we're, they're going to pick it up again. Like maybe Netflix will do it or maybe Amazon or one of the, they have, they're waiting on some licensing to run out or something. And, um, yeah, it just, I feel like now just the, so a lot of those characters, a lot of those actors might've aged out of playing something that's like what, like 12, at least 10 years old now. Right. It's so sad, man. Yeah, it don't make any sense why all those good shows like that stop because they got a really good fan base, man. Like everybody, you know, most people I talk to, they know Hannibal and they love Hannibal. I think the actual TV series may be better than all the, you know, the movies combined. Like the first, you know, Silence of the Lambs is fucking great. You can't beat that. But, you know, as a, like, as a whole, I think Hannibal's better, you know? Yeah, because it's, it's like what we were talking about. It's, um, you know, Silence of the Lambs is a great film you know, came out when people were afraid to characterize something as a horror film, I, I feel like. Because there's all those cop-outs. Like, you'd watch a movie about a serial killer, and, then, oh, no, it's not a horror film. It's this other thing. You know, and the Hannibal TV series really leaned into the imagery and, you know, the very, the very, the atmosphere of horror, you know? Oh, yeah, totally, man. Some of those scenes, like, the way the use of like the color red and everything like that, like oh, it, it's such a it's a pretty ass fucking TV show. It's just fucking you know eye catching as hell, and it's so fucking dark, you know, really really killer. I wish uh, one day something will happen with it. And like I said, I've heard talks about you know coming back, and bringing another season out, or doing something different with the whole thing. But uh, that was like a couple of years ago, and that was on a, I think it was back when Shockwaves was around. It's last time I heard them talking about that. So. That's Brian Fuller, right? Who who did that? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I gen- generally like that that guy's work. Yeah, same here. Like everything he's done so far, I dig. Did you check out uh, Dead Like Me? Uh, yes. Is that Dead Like Me? Hold on a second. Let me uh Google and make sure I'm not getting it confused with the other one. Oh, yes, Dead Like Me was the what the, the Grim Reapers, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the one. I like that one. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, his I like his work, man, for sure. He's quirky. He's got like a, it's like a quirky sense of humor and stuff, you know, when it comes to like the horror genre and everything. I like, I like his eye for horror, you know, it's different. Also a very good podcast, podcast guest. I've seen I've heard him on um, like the King cast a bunch of times. Yeah, he's been on, um, I'm pretty sure Mick Garris had him on before too. And um, I, I enjoyed him. He's uh, definitely a good podcast guest. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully uh, Hannibal that gets realized because uh, before some of the actors die or, you know, it's like, it's just such a drag that that never got finished. And it's kind of ended on a cliffhanger too, no? 
Yeah, it did. And I'm, <laughs> it needs to like evolve more. I need to see what's going on, man. Like I hate like it seems like all the shows I like they cancel after first or second season. I don't understand. I'm like these are good shows. I don't. What are you people thinking? Yeah, and even Archive eighty one ended on like kind of a hit cliffhanger. You know, what, what are you supposed to do with that? You know. Yeah, unless you go and listen to all the different, uh, you know, the actual audio drama, which audio drama is a good bit different than what the series was, you know, especially as it, the audio drama goes on in like their second, third season, it gets insane, man, like the stuff that goes on with that. So I, I was really wanting to see how they're going to put some of this to film, you know, then they get the notification, oh, it's canceled. I'm like, damn. And it was popular, too. Yeah, a lot of people like that. It was like trending number one forever on the, the Netflix trending thing. And uh, I don't know what happened with that. Why they pulled the plug on it, don't know. The, the real, I remember when it came out, um, you know, I thought I was like on, to, on some obscure like shit when it came out. And I'm like, oh yeah, I found this, this show. I was trying to tell people about it. And I was like, yeah, there's this show that's really cool. It's like cosmic horror, like, you know, kind of like, weird fiction you know it's called archive 81 meanwhile while i'm trying to lay this on people it's like trending number one <laughs> i was like <laughs> yeah i know we know about that mike you don't you're not like this fucking you know explorer into the you know recesses of the unknown you know <laughs> it's harder to do that man because i'm the same type of person like oh dude you gotta check this show out then like because everybody has like there's so many streaming services now there's it's gonna it's bound to be on one of these streaming services and you know there's all this all these ways of getting information now so it's, it's like you break it to somebody like, oh yeah i'm already watching that i'm like damn well never mind then we'll keep watching it <laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming you you caught terrifier too right oh hell yeah dude loved it yeah you know that was another thing to step up between the first one and the and the second one as far as just like an accomplishment in the storytelling man like damien leone like man i like i i like the first terrifier but it was just kind of like okay you know here it is a lot of extreme violence you know art the clown okay i get it it's like an updated you know slasher character so going into the second one i was like yeah this is it's probably going to be cool but mm -hmm. i didn't it blew my mind on the world building of uh of the second film oh yeah totally and it's massive too like compared to the first film like you said the first film's very straightforward like uh, a lot of cool kills you know not a lot of background on art but like with the second one dude it's fucking huge and um i you know also damien leone is uh you know a native new yorker uh long island guy so i have to give him his propers for that too you know, I always like to see dudes from the tri-state area succeeding, you know? Yeah, totally. I've been trying to get him as a guest for a while on the podcast. I'm not sure if he does too many podcasts from what I've heard, but I'm trying to get him, and hopefully next year I can uh, talk with him. That would be really cool. But, uh, yeah, he does great work. I mean, I can't wait till the third one comes out now because that's going to happen, and it's probably going to be a couple years, but it would be worth the wait for sure if it's anything as good as the second one was. I mean, he seemed like a pretty approachable guy because I was at um, last year at Chiller. That w it's it's interesting because they were there was a big wave last October for the movie, and mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, I was like, "This is when's this going to come out for this Halloween?" But it, it came out like a year later. It was interesting how they did that. I wonder if they were planning on releasing it last year. 
Um, I think think they were. I think it was uh, waiting on some financial things to go through because remember, uh, Terrified Chill was all like GoFundMe type stuff. Right. So I think I think they, they were waiting on things, and um, the way people kept bugging him, like, "When's Terrified Two coming out?" And he would post like, "You know, I'm still working on doing the last things here or there. If you want a quality product, you just got to kind of wait a little bit, you know." So I think the combination between that and probably getting all the funds together. Yeah, I, I uh, already pre-ordered the, the uh, Blu-ray for it. Oh, yeah, same here. Yeah, I, I keep checking my Amazon to see when it's coming because I pre-ordered through Amazon like, uh, what, three months ago now or something. So yeah. I still haven't said anything about when it's shipping out or anything like that. But it'd be worth the wait when it gets here. It'd be a cool little surprise. Stuff like that, you know, like I said, I, I very much support the DIY nature of pretty much everything. And, and sometimes I feel like that, that aesthetic is lost on people who, you know, like your, your actual regular, normal, run-of-the-mill, everyday fan, not somebody who, um, you know, has played in bands or tried to do things themselves. Like you and I, you know, come from a world where a lot of it is uh, endless hours into projects, mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't see anything in the return for that, you know? So there's like this, yeah, this, this intensity that people like Damien Leone have that I really appreciate, you know, just, you know, I mean, Terrifier, the first one was, you know, marginally successful for what it was. And just his, um, how am I going to say this? Like, you know, just his, his intention of making such a grand scale second film with no real, like, it's not like some big studio gave him a lump of money to work with. It's all fan generated. I'm sure a lot of it, is some of his own resources and then just hours and hours and hours of non-billable hours put into maybe editing and working on the score and all that kind of stuff man and so that's why when the when the pre-order went up i immediately put my money down on it because i'm like i want i want to see like more from this guy i want to support him you know Oh yeah, hundred percent full support for you know the DIY stuff. He's he's he has like a metal attitude when it comes to film, and I like that. You know, just getting out there, being aggressive, like uh, no holds barred type stuff. And it's not like the crap you see like when it, some of these big giant movies that come out. They call horror movies. You know, the ones go through the theaters and stuff. And uh, one in particular I didn't really like that uh, just came out. A lot of people like it. I did not like it all. Was Smile. Oh I yeah. Tried. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't see, I, I don't get it, man. I don't, you know, I don't know what the, the popular opinion on this is so high. I just, I don't get it. I, um, when I saw the, it's funny. I saw the trailer for Smile at Terrifier 2. When I, I saw it, <laughs> I saw it in the theater. You know, I went down. It's, it's funny because like when Terrifier 2 came out, I was like, all right, this is a must see in a movie theater. And mm-hmm. then I, you know, kind of, things got busy for me for, me for, for a couple weeks and uh, so I'm like, oh, man, I, it, it's it's not showing anywhere now because I live right by an AMC. And then there's another AMC that's down in the like the next town over that's maybe 20 minutes away. So I was like, oh, I got to go here. So I bought my tickets. There was one showing that week. Go to the theater. The trailer for Smile is part of, you know, the trailer onslaught before the movie starts. And I was thinking to myself, oh, man, I'm like, this movie looks like such a piece of shit, man. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I was like, what, what motherfuckers are running out of ideas. I'm like, I'm like, this, this is your idea. Meanwhile, you got guys like Damien Leone creating all this awesome stuff. You got, you know, Cosmos, 
uh, Panos Cosmatos making masterpieces like his entries into Cabinet of of, of uh, Curiosities and Mandy oh, yeah. and Beyond the Black Rainbow. And, like, and this is what this guy came up with, you know? <laughs> it's so bad. If you want to see a good smile, uh, go watch It Follows. It Follows fucking destroys smile, Dude. in my opinion. It does the same type of thing, same, almost like the same storyline, you know? This is a little bit different, but It Follows is way better. It's, I was feeling the same thing, man. You know, when I was watching it, I'm like, this motherfucker did, probably doesn't even know it, or maybe he does. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to carbon copy this, this plot and put my own twist on it and make a franchise out of it and see where it goes. And people, people liked it though. You know? Oh, they loved it. I, I was hearing like people I look up to when it comes to like getting horror reviews and like this raving about it. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but, uh, this is not good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally, man. And you know, with it follows, there was never any plan on sequels or anything. And that's what I really appreciate about a movie like that where they just, all right, here's the story, here's the beginning, here's the end. And we respect the audience too much to start milking this thing for a quick buck, you know? Right, and that is definitely the plan for Smile. There's going to be multiple sequels from on here, and so... I can see the whole, like, merchandise line, you know, like... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, going back, it follows, like... Uh... Man, it just blows out the water. It was so much, it was so much darker and this more gritty and this is better in every way. You know, that's the way you do that type of movie, I guess. If you want something that's following you around the whole movie, like sharing a curse with you, do it like it follows does. That's that's perfect. Leave it at that. Leave it as it follows. <laughs> the um, the thing that it follows also did that was um really cool when they they subtly mess with you about the what time it's actually happening in like what era because uh right. you, it follows felt like the 80s or something right or some other earlier time like a few years ago like maybe the early 90s or something yeah and, yeah definitely and then one of the characters pulls out like uh some kind of mobile device you know and, and it just kind of blows away like it, it adds this added weird weirdness to it you know yeah, it almost makes it feel like, oh, is this another dimension? You know, yeah. similar to ours. Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. You know, I know uh, Possessor kind of does that too. That um, Cronenberg film, the Brandon Cronenberg film. Oh yeah, great film, by the way. Yes. Yeah, that that was on the top of our uh, one of my lists too. And uh, yeah, that last year I think it was maybe. Yeah, yeah, and apparently he has another film coming out. Oh, yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but I've been seeing, like, uh, bits and pieces of, you know, some write-ups about it, and I'm like, yep, I can't wait till this comes out. You know, it's probably most likely going to be great, so. Did you ever get into uh, the Benson and Moorhead stuff? Oh, hell yeah, yeah. I follow, like, Resolution, uh, all those movies that kind of chain together. I'm all about every one of them. They're all good. Spring. Did you check out the new one? Uh, which one was that? Something in the Dirt. I have not. Is that out to rent now? Yes, it is. You okay, can, I need to watch can, that before my year and wrap up. Then. Yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you think about it. Um, I saw Rent Rennie and I actually saw it in a theater at down in Philadelphia, at uh, the the Philly Film Fest, and mm -hmm. you know, it's. I was like, hell yeah, count me in. Watching it in a theater, man, it was great. You know, and and uh, 
I felt like the people that attended it were also fans too, because there was um, a curator who came out. He's like, you know, how many people are are Benson and Moorhead fans? And I would say a good seventy five percent of the crowd like clapped their hands, like they're familiar with the the guy's work and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't do any wrong in my book, and uh, I know they did some things with the Moon. Was it Moon Knight that was on Disney? And the stuff that they did, I thought was decent. You know, even it, it didn't really feel like their work. But um, I'm still like team. I'm on there. I'm on board with anything they do, pretty much. So, the thing with Moon Knight, I feel like the, we were kind of like hoodwinked a little bit because if you read the lead up to that, you know, Marvel series, they made mm-hmm. it seem like Benson and Moorhead directed the whole thing. Yeah, and they only did like what one or two episodes. Yeah, of they, that. yeah, yeah. They only did like one or two episodes, and I was like, you know, that's kind of like you know, misleading, man, the way people uh, presented that, you know? Yeah, and I think if they were to do the whole damn series, it would have been a different story. I think it would have been a lot better. Well, that's that's the thing, because Moon Knight, you know, is a weird character. And uh, those guys are really good at telling stories that can have this kind of weird angle to it. And, uh, you know, I, I hope – well – I wasn't. I actually never even finished the Moon Knight series. I kind of tapped out after a few episodes. It's not bad. I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. If I was a rating out of ten, I'd probably get like a seven point five to maybe an eight. But I, overall, it was enjoyable. It is definitely has some it has some weird moments like it does in the comics. Like it gets really bizarre towards the end and kind of like picks up the pace a little bit. But uh, like I said, if those two were involved the whole time, I think they could really like brought the super weirdness out of it. Do you think that Marvel is going to start focusing more on their darker characters? Because, you know, now they have Werewolf by Night and, uh, you know, Moon Knight. You know, Man-Thing appears in Werewolf by Night, you know? I hope so. It seems like it, they might be going in that trend. Um, I heard the new uh, Blade movie got uh, postponed, which, you know, I'm kind of up on the fence about that, too, because, you know, Blade, to me, is always Wesley Snipes, and those first two Blade movies were two of the best Marvel horror movies ever, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, don't, I totally back Wesley Snipes as Blade. You know, maybe they need to, uh, you know, juice him up on some HGH or something like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, de-age him or whatever to make him Blade. You know how they have that de-aging that they do in movies now? Oh yeah, and it actually works pretty good to almost to a scary, a scariness of how like real it looks. You know, like that's man, technology's really got up there. Because I was watching something the other day and they uh, DH somebody. I think it might have been some kind of Star Wars thing or whatever, but it works pretty damn well. Now I'm I'm gonna make I'm, let me look him up, man. I I'm gonna gu- I guarantee you Wesley Snipes still looks pretty good, man. Oh yeah, I've seen him recently. He's still in good shape and stuff. Um, I think if he'd uh taking a few supplements there and uh, hit the weights hard again, he could definitely play Blade again. They should either get him or uh, I'm trying to think who, who, who do they have slated to play him? Crap. I have to think of his name, but he was on the last season of true detective and it was actually a pretty good season of true detective. I don't know if oh, you the, uh, remember that. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. So the main the, I can't remember the, the, the damn name though. Yeah. That guy. All right. I can see that. Yeah, he's a good actor. Like I, I, I'm, a, I'm down with him being in that role. Is the thing I'm hoping they don't do is like brighten up the whole film like they do with most of those Marvel movies. Uh, Blade needs to be like dark, like the atmosphere needs to be dark, like the original movies were. You know, but it's all like bright and shiny, like Captain America or one of those type movies. That's gonna kind of ruin it for me. Yeah, it definitely doesn't work 
in that kind of vibe. But then again, you know, if we look at Werewolf by Night, you know, it was a black, most of, you know, 90%, 95% of the film was in black and white, you know. Mm -hmm. They did that so, they did that great, I thought. They did. Uh, I loved it. I was like, this is cool. I was like, it's only an hour long. I was like, damn it. Because going into that, I thought it was going to be a series. I'm like, oh, cool. A werewolf series? I'm way down with that. And uh, found out it was only like an hour long episode. So that's only that disappointed me. The actual like movie or whatever you want to call it there was great. I wonder if they were thinking about maybe treating it as a pilot for a future series. Uh, that could be a possibility. That would be nice if they did that because uh, I I think we need more more of a horror stuff, man. Like I said, the world by night is a gold mine, I think, for you know, people like us who still enjoy comic book movies and horror and stuff, you know. I gotta say though, I have kind of tapped out on uh the regular Marvel universe, man. Yeah, it got rough towards the end there and I I was never a big fan of the Marvel universe really as a whole. Like certain movies are really cool, but I ended up watching every damn what I'm like at, along like the whole timeline of things. And it yeah. took me almost a year to get through all of them. I was like, yeah, that was rough. There's a few things here and there that were good, but overall it's very generic and very like poppy and bright and shiny. And I don't know, don't really do too much for me. I did the same thing over the uh, pandemic was, um, cause you know, on the, on the Disney app, they, they, they lay it out like in chronological order. And mm -hmm. uh, I almost got through it, but I didn't quite make it, man. You know, like the Eternals, like all that stuff kind of like, you know, turned me off to it a little bit. Yeah. The Eternals was a little weird. It was, it was on the lower category of like, uh, of the Marvel universe for me. And then the one after that, like I can't remember which one that was, uh, now dealt with like a dragon, I think, or something. I don't know, but it didn't really do much. for me. The, the fucked up part about it is like every character, it's almost like they treat it exactly the same way. You know what I mean? And it kind of has the same at its atmosphere from, from movie to movie. It doesn't really, there's like, here's the Marvel vibe. And we're just applying it to all of these different characters. But when you read the comics, like back in the day, especially like these are like older storylines they're telling, you know, each, each series, each character, you know, each team up, they all had a different vibe, you know, like Captain America, mm -hmm. you know, the X-Men, uh, you know, Avengers, you know, there was different fields to all the characters, you know, Black Panther, actually the Black Panther movies, I think are probably the, the better of some of the more recent Marvel stuff that's been happening. Yeah, I agree with that. They're definitely more action-packed and, you know, more serious. You know, they have, like, a more serious vibe to them and stuff, and they look cool. So, yeah, I would say so. I dig those. There's a character I'm going to lay on you right now that uh, he's more on the obscure side, but I'm surprised that they have not introduced him into the Marvel Universe because it, back in the day he played kind of um, a bigger role in the cosmic uh, storylines that they were, they were doing. Uh, Adam Warlock. Oh, yeah, dude, Adam Warlock. I'm hearing um, he's going to be in the next uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie, if I'm not that, mistaken. That, that concerns me a little bit, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy were like the comic relief, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're nothing to take seriously, and Adam Warlock's kind of serious. Yes, know? and also Star-Lord, man. <laughs> like, back in the early... Because I've been... Damn, I, when I was a kid, I read Star-Lord in uh, 
like he was always like a backup character in um some of the magazine size comics like there was a magazine co- size comic called rampaging hulk and mm-hmm. i want to say that star lord was a was like a backup feature in that magazine and maybe uh even moon knight originally appeared in that as a backup in the rampaging right. hulk hulk like full size comic you know, Star-Lord appeared in, like, Marvel Preview, which is, like, a big black-and-white magazine. And then, eventually, you know, he had his own different different miniseries, things like that. But he was, like, this kind of brooding, like, serious character that was traversing the cosmos by himself, you know, and this, like, very intense kind of vibe in, like, all of his adventures. You know, and then the same thing with, with Adam Warlock. Like, he was, you know, this kind of godlike creature... You know, this guy with, you know, the Infinity Stone and I don't know. It was just the stories had more of this kind of um, like serious tone to it. And that makes that concerns me that they're introducing him into uh, the Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy uh, franchise. Yeah, because, you know, there's going to be a lot of comedy involved with that. And it, it just don't blend very well. So we're, we're, we'll see. But um, that's what I heard. It's going to be in the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, series. Because I think if you watch the very last Guardians movie towards the end, like, you know, you got to go past the fucking uh, credits and everything. They always have like a scene at the end. If I'm not mistaken. I think he may, show, he may show up on one of those, I think. Because I say when I binged them all for that whole year, I kind of forgot most of them anyways. But I'm pretty sure he did show up possibly. Maybe my memory messing with me, but he's supposed to be involved somehow. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, it's it's uh, the late seventies, early eighties. Marvel Comics. There was a guy, uh, Jim Starlin, who wrote I, Captain Marvel, Moon Knight, uh, Moon Knight, Captain Marvel, um, Star Lord, and uh, Adam Warlock. Like he didn't mm-hmm. write all those characters, but Starlin wrote the most important Captain Marvel arcs. And if, if you haven't checked those out, man, that's you could probably find those like online or on Trust Trades or something pretty cheap these days. You know, something to check out for sure. Yeah, to keep an eye on that. I was uh, doing Comixology for a while, but they changed up their format and it makes it super hard to find any damn thing on the app, which sucks because it's cool to read. I read those on my uh, Kindle Fire. Yeah, and it looks fucking great, man. It's like a it's like a ten inch tablet, so easy reading, you know. And it's like almost the same size as a comic book, but I can zoom in on things or whatever, and like really appreciate the artwork. But uh, Comicsology was cool, and it's only like six bucks a month, but they did change the format up, and it kind of messed things up when it comes to trying to find cool things to read, you know. That's a bummer, man. I never tried doing that, but a lot of people are telling me because uh, I, I I do I have a Kindle app, the Kindle app on my iPad. And that's how I read a lot of books these days, too. Yeah, that's all me there, man, because uh, I have really shitty lighting in this place, and uh, my eyes aren't as good as they used to be. <laughs> so it was nice to be like have it blown up a little bit, like, oh, cool. And it's a lot easier to read off my Kindle, you know? Yeah, I just, um, I had a, a series of uh, very long flights recently <laughs> when I went out to Germany. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I brought a book and my iPad, but... You know, one one of the flights was an overnight, you know, so the, the mm. lights were off in the plane and everyone was like trying to I can't sleep on a plane. So I was like staying up all night just reading. And uh, definitely you don't even need any light to read on a Kindle because I have like the black background with the, the white print, you know. 
mm-hmm. and it's really good. It's really easy on your eyes, and you don't you don't you can read in the dark basically. It's cool. Yeah, I think they're great, man. Uh, like I highly recommend those. I still buy books too. I still have books, but uh, you know, when I'm actually reading, I don't want to mess up a copy of that book I just bought. You know, it's all about the Kindle. You know, for ease of use. Yeah, I, che- I check out new writers on Kindle first because sometimes, you know, even you know, a lot of the more obscure stuff, like newer people, um, they'll some of the stuff I write is I uh, read is uh, self-published, so they'll you can find their stuff on Kindle for like a dollar ninety-nine or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So just to check it out, and if it's um, something I like, and I continue reading that author, like some of their later material, I'll pick up as a hard copy, you know. That's another uh, goal of mine I have in life is to get a book out. Um, not necessarily like a whole novel, maybe a short story or a few short stories. And, you know, you know, like a, sh- a book of short stories, pretty much. I have uh, three or four written now. I may have sent you some yeah, before. Yeah, you did. Yeah, the ca- one with the cat. That was, that was a good one, man. Yeah, yeah. I've had a really good response with that one. And I got a werewolf one, too. I don't know if I've sent you this one. It's kind of short, but it's kind of like a a proof of concept type thing, like to evolve this even more. And if I haven't sent you that one, I can find it and send it to you again. But, you know, as I know you love werewolves as much as I do. Definitely. I, I think the werewolf genre needs to be pushed further because you don't really see much. Even when it comes to the novels, I know you, you recommended that one novel, uh, what Werewolf Hunter, I believe. Yeah, Diary of a Werewolf Hunter. Yeah, and that's on my list right now. I'm getting to uh, Krampus right now by Brom. Which also highly recommend that one if you haven't read that before. Krampus, uh, written by Brom. <laughs> it's fucking great, dude. I will. I'll but yet, put that on my list. That, that's a goal of mine, man. I want to self publish and get that stuff out there. And there's just so many things and so little time. You know, I have so many hobbies and things I want to do. And, like, and then you have work on top of it. It's like, man, finding the time's a pain in the ass. But, you know, I somehow I, I do it. But now I need to make a little bit more room for my writing next year so that'd be a goal mine actually let me correct uh it's called autobiography of a werewolf hunter and it's a trilogy of books okay yeah it's um you can buy them all as one volume or you can pick them up on uh, kindle the first one's called autobiography of a werewolf hunter the second one is called heart of scars which is uh, nice. a fucking hard ass like title and uh the last in the trilogy is the lineage and the author's name is Brian P. Easton. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I have that saved on my uh, Scribd app, which I do all my reading off of. So, I, you know, that's on my list, man. I can't wait to read those because it's been a while since I read anything good about a werewolf that's decent. Because if you uh, go to type werewolf novels in like Amazon or uh, on Scribd, which I use, it comes out with the fucking romance novels. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's funny, right? How it's all this kind of yeah. like like soft core, like porno, like ro- erotic fiction and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Full of it, man. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I, I don't know what to choose here because I, I want to avoid this shit here. I'm trying to look for a damn a were- good werewolf story, man. But I'm seeing like fucking love of the werewolf, uh, you know, <laughs> all kinds of shit. Like, oh, man. <laughs> well, this this one's good, man. It's um, it's very action-oriented, it's uh brutal you know the dark the uh you know the main character it's like has such a deep hatred for werewolves that like even if you're a human and you help a werewolf you're probably going to get you know shot and stuff like that you know Mm. and um yeah it's just fun man it's like a fun book you know the good story it's like it's kind of set up almost like um 
like vignettes like each chapter is almost like a self-contained story because it's very very episodically written you know what i mean mm-hmm. but uh I yeah, like, that, that's I like a good way that yeah there, there's a few decent books you know there should be more like the way there are a, t- a ton of vampire books there should be more werewolf books yeah they're neglected man i don't know why it's i, I think it's an open market right now if somebody was to make a really badass world movie a really badass werewolf novel it would do really good right now because we don't have any you're oversaturated with zombies and vampires but we're fucking werewolves which are way cooler in my opinion yeah no totally the um <clears throat> the beginning of the howling okay is the template for what to do the new wave of a werewolf films, I think. Oh, 100%. Hell yeah. Yes. Like Eddie Quist and like that whole grimy, like kind of like low life, like beginning of the film. That should have been the entire movie, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like all the other stuff that happens, like when they go out into the countryside, but it's almost like they could have made those two stories, like two different films. Like the howling could have been like the Eddie Quist story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this, the Howling 2 could have been the second half of the film. You know, they could have expanded it. That would have really helped out the Howling 2 if they went <laughs> to Holy shit. Dude. Oh, what the hell happened? It's still fun to watch going back now and watching them, but growing up and like when these films would come out, like you're expecting like the Howling 2 is going to be great. The first one's one of my favorites. And it's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But uh, I thought one thing too with that that traumatized me was uh, the werewolf sex scene. God damn, man! I was like, that is fucked up, dude. <laughs> yeah. Just go, going back to that that book I was just talking about, the dialogue is really cool. It's um, it's almost like uh, like Sam Peckinpah wrote the dialogue in that werewolf book I was telling you about. There's a lot of like like really you know cool like tough guy like dialogue in that movie, you know, mm-hmm. or that in that book. The, the diary autobiography book of a werewolf you know nice yeah i can't wait to check it out maybe uh how long ago was this uh published and stuff has it been a while or um let me see Somebody make a movie about this you would think that this would be a great property to license for a film but i mean especially since there's uh there's three you know mm-hmm. i mean even the title itself you know yeah is, is is pretty killer yeah you know there, there's all sorts of stuff in there i, I kind of feel like this came out fairly not too long ago you know it's just waiting for somebody to put that out as a movie if it, if it's, this came out that'd be cool yeah like 20 2016 oh wow okay it's real new then yeah yeah dude so, yeah, yeah somebody needs to jump on that like <laughs> yeah this guy um Brian P. Easton, he's definitely, I'm, I'm, I follow him. I follow, you know, when new books come out by him, I, you know, on his, his Amazon profile Mm -hmm. and, uh, the trilogy got like, you know, four and a half stars. So a lot of other people seem to like it too. That's cool. Could you imagine if, uh, Panos Cosmatos did a werewolf movie? Man, shit. (laughs) That would be the move though, man. You know? He's got the the whole the look of his films. That's the way, like you know, that's the way the the first kind of scene from The Howling looked like. It had those like fucking reds and that really grimy, nasty look to it. Like that's Panos right there, man. If he was to do that for a whole like uh, new werewolf film, man, I think it would kill. 
So apparently there's other, there's that first trilogy and then this, and Brian Easton has other stuff that's expanding on the, on the universe. There's the Winter Fox journals, which are, uh, you know, for kind of pushing the storyline further. So mm-hmm. it's nice. like, so he's committed. He's committed to, uh, to this story. And, uh, you know, hopefully some cool filmmaker out there just checks this out. And he's like, you know what? This is like a, a great series we can do. No, that would be cool, man. Yeah. Now I'm super excited to get into these, especially with the expanded universe you're telling me here. So that's really cool. So you were saying that you weren't really into Marvel. Did you read uh, DC Comics? You know, Vertigo, like that kind of stuff? Uh, Vertigo, DC. I did read some Marvel growing up and stuff. It was more like uh, Ghost Rider comics and a lot of X-Men, mostly Wolverine. But uh, I really went towards like the Ghost Rider stuff. That was my thing. And um, also um, the Venom stuff, like when they were, uh, all the symbiotes came down and stuff. I can't remember what they called it. It was like Venom Bloodlines or something. Came yeah. Out the 90s. You remember that one? Yeah, that was great. I, oh, I really that, like that was super cool. Yeah, the Ghost Rider, the, uh, was it the Midnight Suns? When they it, it was printed on the paper, it was black too. Do you remember that? Yeah, I believe so. I, I remember there's a villain he fought, uh, his name was Skinner. Yeah. And it did fucking take people's skin. I remember him like killing a whole fucking family and stuff. Super brutal. And this was like in the mid 90s, I think. Yeah, that so, was a good era for Ghost Rider for sure. Yeah, it was. Him and I, Johnny Blaze would team up because I, I think this was like a different Ghost Rider because I think Johnny Blaze became his own separate entity, you know? Yeah. And yeah, Ghost he, Rider and stuff. And yeah, they're like fighting vampires, all kinds of crazy stuff. And like the Skinner guy was one that really like stood out to me when I was a kid because it's so brutal. I'm like, man, I'm reading this. This is, you know, I'm like a little kid reading this crap. I'm like, this is brutal as hell. The The Vertigo line with DC I thought was really some of the best comics that I've ever read, man. You know, like Swamp Thing, Sandman, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I didn't get into Sandman when I was younger. I, I didn't get into Sandman until I got a little bit older and stuff. And I was like, man, this is really cool. You know, I wish I would have gotten into it sooner. But, yeah, those are really dark, real dark, man, more horror than anything. Yeah, Hellblazer, um, you know, Constantine, like that Shade the Changing Man, Animal Man, Doom Patrol, like so much good stuff that came out during that era. Yeah, totally. They should... uh really focusing more on that stuff with the new uh, comic movies coming out. I know DC's got a lot of shit that's not really working for them with their movies. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, there are some really horrible ones. Like, why can't you do some of these horror things that you had? And like these properties are sitting there waiting on you. Yeah, they really dropped the ball, man. It's it's like, I don't know, man. Maybe, uh, I don't know what happened with the DC films. But um, I mean, you know, some of their standalone things are great. Like the Batman movie that came out this year. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, Joker, that was great. But they're not really connected into the um, continuum of, of their other films, their standalone stories, you know. Yeah, they're all over the place. And I heard the new Flash movie's finally canceled because that one dude got in a bunch of trouble. The, the guy that was playing the Flash got in a whole bunch of, like, trouble with the law and everything. So, what, like, what exactly canceled. did that guy do? I think he got in trouble for, like, stalking and trying to kidnap somebody, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Uh, there's some drugs involved there, a lot oh, of things. Man. Man. It's his own movie. He's just making a movie about him. I think his name's like Ezra Miller or something. I think Kid- kidnapping, damn. Yeah, all over the place, and that you know that's the Flash for you, I guess, right? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> yeah. 
So let's circle back to uh, Abraxas Horn, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the record's done. It's available. Where, where can people uh, pick it up? Well, it's on uh, Bandcamp, um, which is preferred usually because it usually has a bit higher quality on there. But um, it's also on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's on uh, Tidal. It's pretty much everywhere you can get music from. It's on YouTube because um, I went through, uh, I used uh, DistroKid. Um, I'm used to using like CD Baby and stuff for uh, tripping the mechanism. But I went with DistroKid from some, uh, you know, people telling me how good it is. And uh, yeah, it worked out great. I'm on a ton of stuff now. So all you got to do is kind of like... Uh, Google Braxis Horn and Shadow Mountains, and it should pull up on any app that you follow, anything you stream your music off of, it's there. So, For uh, any aspiring uh, you know, musicians out there and bands, and myself included, because I'm interested, how, how does the whole process with DistroKid work? Oh, man, it's pretty easy because I'm a person that gets frustrated very fast with dumb shit. So this is <laughs> really, really straightforward, man. I, uh, you log in, you make your... Uh, make your regular profile you know, put your information and stuff and then you go and upload each track it's all on one page you upload this track make sure you got your title on there and stuff and uh super straightforward that gets uploaded upload your next track next track once you're done with all that they do everything else you don't have to go back to that page or nothing like all right give us uh, three or four days we'll make sure it gets on everything we'll send you an email back when everything's good to go and you're done and you can go back and check out their page for like stats and everything um, there's a few different things you can do. There's like a premium version, a regular version. You know, I just have like the regular version. It's like uh, 30 bucks a year. But I think that's pretty reasonable for what they do for you. That's dirt cheap, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so far, I'm really happy. Uh, they got, I'm on, I'm everywhere. There's stuff I've never even heard of before they put you on. But, you know, more exposure, the better. So that rules, man. I, I was, uh, thinking it was only a matter of time before someone did something like this came up with this type of service you know yeah they do all the hard work for you you don't have to like go to fucking every site and you know, upload your own stuff which takes days sometimes you know it's like you know one-stop shop man done in like maybe it took me 20 minutes to get all this stuff done you know as long as you got decent internet speed like don't take no time are you uh going to do vinyl or anything like that uh no physical releases now unless i get like you know, a bunch of people asking for them, but I'm just kind of keeping it low key, um, digital right now. If I do anything, it'd probably be like CDs. Definitely not going into vinyl route just because, you know, things are so backed up right now with vinyl still from what I hear. And then it gets pretty expensive doing vinyls. We did a, a lot of vinyl stuff with tripping the mechanism and stuff. And it was kind of a pain. I mean, they're cool as hell. I love vinyls, but they become a pain in the ass sometimes. Yeah. If you did it now, the record would probably come out in like 2025 or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to keep it digital for now. You know, uh, I might eventually do CDs maybe sometime next year. We'll see. I'm just playing it by ear. So I heard people are buying CDs again, believe it or not. That's what I'm hearing too. <laughs> like when, um, I know when we're doing tripping the mechanism, man, we're mostly selling vinyls and I know nobody's buying CDs, but it seems to be the reverse now. Like I'm hearing people are actually buying CDs again. So I guess that's cool. <laughs> I wonder if it's like a cost thing because you can, you know, a lot of people want to own, especially in, you know, our, our scene, people want a physical copy, you know, and right. uh, maybe it's a cost thing because CDs are definitely cheaper than vinyl. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, cheaper to buy and cheaper to make. That's for sure. Yeah. What about merch t-shirts, anything like that? Um, not at this time. Uh, we'll see what next year brings. I might 
throw a couple t-shirts out there but you know like i said i'm just keeping it real low-key for now but um if anything does come up you know everybody would definitely know you know if i do like a cool shirt design because uh my i have a really good friend who did my artwork for uh the Horrible 66 podcast, you know, the werewolf design and stuff. Um, he's a badass who's also a musician. And um, he'd probably be definitely somebody I would look into to do my artwork for me if I did something like that. So I can visualize a sick, like, long sleeve, you know what I mean? With, like, you know, the logo and, like, maybe some, like, sick, like, satanic satanic shit like on the sleeves and stuff you know yeah that would be cool yeah definitely and i would probably actually use that design i did for the album because i designed all that myself you know some photo art type stuff and um i think yeah that design there on the long sleeve looked pretty cool i think yeah i'm down with that totally yeah, yeah. so who knows what next year might bring let's we'll see and stuff but uh, i'm gonna keep evolving the project and stuff like that and you know throwing stuff out there and uh i'm probably gonna start working on the second record next year so well, I know I will. Shit, I got a whole year. I definitely should be working on that next record next year. So, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, you know, Brandon, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for your uh, your time, and um, you know, have a great holiday. Merry Christmas. You too, man. I appreciate um having me on here and stuff, and um all the inspiration. Like, thank you so much, man. Cause you inspired the hell out of me. So. Oh, thank you, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, and you have yourself a good holiday, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Take care now. Later.